Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Every year you assemble your closest friends to prepare for another season in the knockdown, drag out world of make believe football. You were born with the one skill every manager needs to play fantasy football. Absolutely no skill playing real football. Not so good at catching. Imaginary catches. Imaginary touchdowns. Next up, an imaginary score with an imaginary woman. Good imagination. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh swami of the sidelines. You may come in dead last. But you're always first with us. Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Bud Light Beer, and I suppose St. Louis, Missouri. Come, come. Stop. Did I start wasted doing tryouts? Because I can't figure out how you made it on this team. Clearly, practice does not appear to be working. This is why everyone talks about you as soon as you leave the dugout. I knew you couldn't do it. Did you take your Adderall this morning because you're acting kind of freaky out here? You don't, you don't suck. It's just, it's like you have bad luck every time you step on the field. Dude, you are destroying the backstop. League's probably going to make us pay for a new one. You do see the trend out here, right? Every time you're on the hill we get murdered. Martinez, two, Lanzare, Welgus. Coach, I speak English. Dude, you're lucky your mom's hot. Dude, if I end up back in rehab this season, it's all your fault. Over 1.3 million Little League players in the United States, and I got stuck with you. Someone needs to put me out of my misery. I heard you were the worst player in your last team as well. Dude, it is okay to suck everyone's while, but don't you think you're overdoing it? You didn't know you're supposed to be throwing strikes out here, right? Have you been tested for dyslexia? No. Okay. What's your name again? I've been sitting over there in the dugout holding my breath just trying to pass out. Look at it this way. You're not the worst Little League pitcher on the planet. You just better hope that the kid that is doesn't quit. Uh, I take it back. You're the worst. Okay, hand me the Albalo and go to right field and don't ever come back. Show, 
Jake Robinson. I never move it slow mo. Welcome to my dojo. Those other parts are so so. I'm too like pro yo. Focus like a GoPro. Ripping up this promo. Check out the scoreboard. Freaks, I'm throwing no one knows. It's going, it's going, it's going. Yo, it's gone. Your heart just stopped. Cause Jake got strong and mighty. Undefeated, I mean it. Pull up the pot, scroll it down and read it. Written, produced, directed, and mixed. Dog on your lips and Ozzy Smith back flips. Pick a tip, any tip, get on to it. I got ridiculous pots without forcing it. You sit at home crying like a girl while I spread the gospel around the world. Yo, the pods are written behind tracks that mixed in smooth with the groove to make ears wanna listen at a little cut. In a rhythm to back it up. Another show to my name, now I'ma stack it up. You think another way rap back, but this ain't no act jack. My hobbies are wrong, some people try to be black, but that bell time will come out. Call the show BKP and let me turn it out. Yo, Nick Jake the Snake Board of 71. Date, you know what time it is. I'm packing them guns. Yo, experience. I've been a witness to glory, and that's why I collect ball players and their stories. Y'all heard? So, is the incredible, the pod animal, Jake the Snake Robinson, from the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network. I'm coming out of Paulie's Island, South Kagalegi, half man, half podcast machine, back in the Captain Kirk chair, shields down, photons up. Prepare to engage on this week's digital audio program that I call Backwards K-Pod, where we collect ball players and their stories. What's cracking your cement breaks? What's juicy? 1.3 little 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 leaguers in America, and I got stuck with you. Ha! <laughs> hey, you know, I did kind of mess up that bar there, though, right? That just shows you I don't edit nothing, baby. It's one take snake live. I think it's kind of interesting I messed up right there, but what do I know? It's your boy, Jake Robinson. I got your hookup. Holler if you hear me. Welcome to my lair, man. I mean, this is where I like to take these weekly dives into the amazing history of baseball, the moments, the characters, stadiums, pop culture, all the great and sometimes not so great things about the game that have been woven and stitched into the fabric of this great country. So, again, welcome my always growing family of seamhead freaks back into my sandbox to build more sandcastles with me this week, as well as, you know, any of you newbies out there surfing the net and you came across this barrel of a wave and decided to give it a shot and ride it to the shore, welcome in. I am most grateful for anyone who takes time out of their day to listen to me pontificate the seams. And this week is... It's really a special show for me personally. I've had it circled on my calendar for quite a few months now. I have literally been in my head all week about my tactical strategy of laying it out this week because it is a topic that is so near and dear to my heart and it probably rings true for many of you freaks in the audience as well. So, friends, CMEX, let me your ears. This week, with the tournament on the horizon, I want to talk a little Little League World Series with you. So, first of all, this week, I I want kids to be able to listen to this one, so I will not be working blue this week, and this is lesson number one for all you young baseball champions to be out there. You should never cuss. Well, at least until you're married with kids and you got a mortgage to pay. When the snake cusses, it's because I'm not very bright, and I have a horrible grasp of the English language, so that's first, right off the bat, kids. Be respectful with your speech. It is very important. This game that you're learning about right now 
is more than a game. It is your birthright. You are the sovereign prince or princess of this game. You are the future of this beautiful game. And one day, you will hand it down as it has been handed to you. I'm not going to lie to you. Baseball is a very hard game. Not everyone can do it. You're going to fail a lot. Especially in the beginning. When I first started playing Little League, I was terrible. I struck out a lot. And our team was probably one of the worst Little League teams ever. We stunk up the place pretty much every night. Our own parents wore bags on their heads in the stands in shame. So again, this is a tough sport. It's the hardest of all the American team sports. You have to be mentally tough. And you cannot be afraid to fail. As you grow older, you will understand that for the most part, you're going to fail at many things in life. You'll probably fail exponentially. Which is just a big fancy word for a lot. You'll probably fail exponentially more at things in life than you will succeed in. That's just how life works. Now, some people are like the Yankees and have unlimited resources to garner more success than other teams. But even the mighty Yankees fail sometimes. We all fail. And that's baseball in a nutshell, boys and girls. That's real deal life. So, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I see the catcher is ready to throw down. There he goes. The infield is throwing that rock around. The umpire is called play ball. Let's get you, get you uh, all your little rug grants on my BKP time travel choo-choo. Say goodbye to your parents as I call all aboard. Now, I'm not going to set a time and destination this week. Uh, you know, there's a lot of insurance Papers that go along got to be signed if I take you through these wormholes. Uh, we're going to leave here from Tampa Station, and instead, I'm going to take us straight to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, where teams are now currently drifting into this baseball. I mean, just a beautiful town to compete in the 2023 Little League World Series. And on the way to Williamsport, I'd like to tell you kids why Little League baseball is so important for your growth. And I'm a guy who believes that all kids should meet at least one of these requirements. Number one, I believe kids should learn a musical instrument. I don't care what the instrument is. It teaches you social skills on interaction with others. You literally have to work in concert with others to create beautiful sounds. It's good to know how to read music, expand your horizons. I was a flute player, believe it or not. A flautist. Nah, what, what, what. I was pretty good, too. Second chair. My sister played violin. My brother played drums. Number two. It's good to learn a second language. It's a good thing to step outside your bubble and learn about other cultures. Again, just another way to use your brain outside of the usual way you would. And there is great money in speaking other languages fluently in the future. And last but not least. Kids should play sports. I don't care what sport it is. Baseball, basketball, football, hockey, wrestling, track and field, volleyball, golf, boxing, gymnastics. I don't care. Now, I know everyone is different. Some people are not athletes. Some people do not play sports. They don't even like sports. And that's why I I say you should take up at least one of these three things as a kid on your journey through life. But before we get to Williamsport, I'm going to tell you what Little League Baseball meant in my journey when I was a kid. I had an awful childhood. We were very poor. I had a very dysfunctional relationship with my parents. We didn't have a bathroom, no water and sewage, not even a toilet. And 
I know a lot of you think I'm really, really old, but this isn't the 1950s, kids. This was the 1980s. So I always kind of, well, look, I was always kind of the stinky kid. My mother is black and Japanese. My stepfather was white. And I'm sure many of you kids nowadays know plenty of mates like that. But in the 1980s, it was an oddity. I was an outcast in many ways. And I had two things going for me, near and dear, in my life at that time. I had my best friend, David Licklider, and I had baseball. And David never cared that I was poor. He didn't care about race. He was truly my best friend in the whole world. Until he moved on to a private high school and we grew apart. And that's life. As we got older, both of us got better and better at baseball. I was never as good as him. He had incredible size for his age. He could literally hit the ball a country mile. But I was pretty good in my own right. I had gap power, a little bit of speed, good glove. I was feisty, loud, in your face. And for two years, we played on the same team. And all we did was lose. Even though we were so much better than where we were when we first started playing together. But that all changed when we were 13. And David's father, Charles, decided he was going to coach us. And that, my friends, is when my love for baseball went to a whole other level. Coach Licklider took the same cast of kids from the previous two years, with the exception of uh, Bill Jeffries, which I don't know. He, he must have been the only kid anyone ever wanted from outside our team because he actually got drafted by another coach. And, you know, Mr. Licklider, of course, is going to take his kid. So, people must have saw something in Bill Jeffries because he wasn't there for that third year. But, that's neither here nor there. Mr. Licklider, he takes the same roster of bad news bears and turns us into winners. No BS. My parents never came to watch me play Little League Baseball. Not once in my career. David's parents would pick me up every single game, drive me home. And I was an angry kid inside growing up. That's one of the reasons I love baseball so much. I always played with this chip. I was always the loudest, most obnoxious kid in the dugout. I never meant to be. But this is my outlet in life. And I guess, you know, I'm a naturally loud, obnoxious person anyway. I had so much rage inside of me. Bottom line is I needed this game. From day one, Mr. Licklider tried to rein me in. He was tough on me, and I needed that from a man in my life at that time. We won so many ball games together, and whenever I made him proud on the ball field, it made me want to do it again. I needed that in my life. I needed a father figure in my life to recognize something good about the stinky, poor, mulatto kid. Again, we won a lot of ball games together. We went all the way to the championship series. We lost two games to one. With the same team that won maybe six games the previous two years combined. But, here's the thing. I don't really remember much about the wins these 40-some years later. I mean, years later. I love to win. At everything in life that I do, there's nothing like it. But baseball teaches you that good can come from loss as well. There has to be some good there for something that is so painful for many of us. Losing, failure. It promotes life lessons that you will carry forever in your amazing journey that you have in front of you. Embrace those lessons and learn from them. For example, one game that year, 
And I feel, you know, I feel sick even recollecting. I, I embarrassed my coach. The man that I looked up to so much, I literally had him so mad at me. And he was almost at a loss of words. And to this day, as an, I don't know, middle-aged man, though many of you would rightfully consider me as older than dirt, I'm still embarrassed of my actions on the ball field that day. All year we had run through the league. I had only played third base and shortstop in my little league career up to that season, and Mr. Licklider moved me to catcher. Not sure why he did it to this day. I like to think he saw some toughness there, maybe a little baseball IQ, and we had a need for sure, but there were other guys to build that role. I, I was honored that he asked me. He was always pushing me, be a leader, survey the field, yell out orders, tell guys where they should be, go talk to the pitcher. Always talking to me from the bench, teaching me. I loved playing catcher for that dude. So, we're wiping out guys. We're like 8-1, 8-0, eight eight, eight something like that. And I'm taken to this catcher position like a fish in water. But we haven't faced any adversity yet. And down the stretch, we began playing uncharacteristically bad baseball. Maybe we lost focus a little bit. Maybe we thought we were better than we were. Maybe teams were adjusting. I'm not sure why, but we were faltering. We had lost like two of our last three games, and the pennant race is getting tight now. And one night we faced this team, one night it was a kid named Doug Rogers was pitching. And this kid was absolutely blowing us away. Absolutely dominating us. He had a no-hitter through six on us. I think it was a perfect game. I couldn't bear the shame of it. And I did something I will never forgive myself to this day, boys and girls. All these years later. I quit. I acted like an entitled brat. And I quit. Now, I wasn't the only one on the team. In fact... The only kid kid who didn't quit was my boy Dave. But me quitting was like driving the stake into Mr. Licklider's heart. I, I will never forget it. All these other guys, he probably understood on some level. But I should have been next to David holding the line. Now understand this, boys and girls. I was 13, just a kid. Like many of you listening right now. Kids make mistakes. Especially in a super hard game like baseball. But all the Little League experiences are not just about how to win baseball games. It's about life. I learned that day you can't quit. No matter what. Not just in sports. That Little League game was merely a prelude to surviving in the real world. To this day, on a sleepless night, I think about that game. And how bad I disappointed my coach. It still hurts. I remember it like it was yesterday. The next practice on the field. Man, he told us how disappointed he was in us. And he kept his gaze on me the whole time. I felt so small and embarrassed. He read us the riot act. And rightfully so. Now, like a great coach. He forgave us. He let us earn his trust back. And we wanted him going to the ship. Game three, David's pitching. He had a big arm for a 14-year-old kid. And one of his pitches bounced off my shin guard. And the run on third scored the top of seventh. The go-ahead run. Which, of course, you know, that's the last inning in Little League. 
baseball. And I look up at Mr. Licklider, and he's smiling at me. It's okay. It's okay. You two will get that back. Get this last out. I needed that. I steadied myself. I composed myself. We got that last out. Now, it's our turn. It's the bottom of the seventh. Down one. My friend to this day, Timmy Bricado's pitching. And Timmy had a good arm. But I had some success against him. And I hit him really well down the stretch that season. Our first two guys were put down real quick. It's my friend David up. And I'm on deck. And I'm thinking, Dave's about to tie this game up. There's nobody this team would rather have at the plate in this moment. Well, he doesn't tie it up. But he laces a double. And now it's my turn to get the big knock. I see my boy on second. I see his dad leaning on the fence, staring at me, urging me on. And in my head, I'm, I'm ready for this moment. I almost got the net bomb there. I'm going to drive my best friend in with this game tire. And I'm really going to do this for my coach. I already made up my mind. I'm attacking Timmy early. If I get that me, uh, that get me over fastball with that first pitch from him, I'm going to grip and rip. Now everybody's cheering and yelling, but in my head, I hear nothing. I'm looking at Timmy, and he's looking at me. And sure enough, first pitch. There's that early fastball in the zone I'm looking for. Bang! I absolutely demolished that ball. I began running right out the box. I want a triple out of this at least. I see David a second. He raises his arms like, yes. And the ball takes off like a rocket. And if we had outfield fences out there for sure, it's a two-run home run in Williamsport. We're going to win the championship on that hit. But we don't have those fences. All of a sudden, I see Chris D'Alessio, the left fielder, turn around, put his head down, and just go on a mad dash. He's not even looking up yet. He's just looking to get to the spot that he thinks that ball's going to land. I'm rounding first base. I'm looking at the left field like, this is over. I got him. This might even be a home run. And D'Alessio hits another level of speed. And as the ball is descending at the very last second, he stretches out, brings the ball to his glove, and falls to the ground for the final out of the championship series. And I'm at second base with my mouth wide open. I went from hero to failure in about six seconds. The wildest ride of my life. And me and David looked at each other. Our mouths are agape. I I turn around with tears in my eyes and I look at my coach. And, you know, I'm thinking he's going to be disappointed in me. But I could tell that he was proud of me. Even though I failed to come through for him and that team, he was proud of me. The look said it all. And he told me on the car ride home, man, you put a charge into that ball. That left fielder just made a heck of a play. And I'm holding back tears in the back seat. And I catch his eyes in the rearview mirror. And I tell him, I'm sorry I dropped that pitch, Mr. Licklider. And he says to me, that's baseball, buddy. I'm proud of you guys. You didn't quit when the going got tough. And you fought to last out against a very good team. And all you little leaguers out there, hold on to these moments in your life. Don't try to grow up too fast. You got plenty of time to be an adult. And a little secret for you. Being an adult, it ain't all it's cracked up to be anyway. Okay? 
So just take your time. Be a kid, kid. I often think of those days playing Catonsville Youth League Baseball. My boy Andy Brandt, who pretty much broke me to pieces with his breaking stuff, forever banishing me to the life of culinary arts and podcasting. Baseball is about adjustments. Andy made the adjustments. I did not. He went further. That's how it works. To this day, he's told me, I got tired of watching your fat butts camp around the bases after hammering the fastball. He made the adjustment. Eric Ball, Tim Picado, Jim Trump, Chalmers. My boy Scott Rourke, he has a son that's playing baseball. Now, Scott never played baseball when we were kids. He's more a football player. But, you know, he's totally invested. You know, this is the power of Little League. True friends for life. You will not understand until later in life how special of a moment you are living in right now. Embrace the moment, the connections with the teammates and the opponent. Listen to your parents, coaches, and teachers. Do your homework. Be a good kid. Boy or girl, nothing is impossible. But most of all, if you love the game, play it right. Don't show your opponents up. And never, ever quit. Keep pushing yourself. Once you quit, kid, You'll never stop. And looking back on my life, what Little League meant to me and my development as a boy to a man, I think the biggest lesson for me is when a group of kids excel at the highest level that is made available to them, it engineers one human emotion for me. And that was hope. Okay, so look, uh, I think we're going to be entering the township of Williamsport, Pennsylvania any second here, and it's such a small, beautiful, sleepy little baseball town, and if you've never made the trip to Williamsport, or the Little League World Series in particular, do yourself a favor, take the kids and the family there to celebrate the sport, it's an awesome time. The first couple times I went, uh, I did have trouble with the GPS, I went back and forth, up and down, US-15, till finally I said, look, I'm just going to follow the Goodyear blimp to the park. So, look, if the GPA get, GPS gets weird on you, my suggestion is to follow the blimp. And here we are, pulling up in this beautiful baseball complex nestled in the rolling hills of Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And every time I come here, I feel like I'm going back in time to a place that just holds so much baseball charm. You get the feeling that every single person who lives in this town loves the game of baseball. And not on that level where, ooh, we should sign Otani for $60 million. No, 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 no. There is like a childlike innocence all around you in Williamsport. It's a community where kids and their futures are held in high regard and baseball is still king. Whenever the sun sets in the hills of central Pennsylvania, it truly does cast like this shadow of days gone by. Way back when people traveled by a riverboat or train. A time when the town was one of the most profitable in Pennsylvania thanks to the logging industry. In many ways to this day, the Lycoming County seat remains frozen in time. Williamsport is the birthplace of Little League Baseball. And every year at this time, thousands come from all over the planet to witness the forever magical combination of baseball and childhood for two weeks. 
It is the sheer essence of baseball. It is everything that grown-ups aspire the game to be before we do our best and ruin it with our involvement. It's as real as the tears that flow down the cheeks of players who realize they have fallen short in their goals and now it's time to go home. As early as the 1880s, leagues were formed for preteen children in New York City, but they were affiliated with adult clubs, teams, and they really didn't flourish. Children often played in the streets or abandoned sound lots instead. The equipment was awful. The children played with bats and balls made primarily of tape. And uh, good luck to your future catchers. Your tools of ignorance there as equipment and their sizes were virtually non-existent at that time. So you didn't have a catcher's but You probably had to do it barehanded. In the 1920s, the American Legion formed a baseball program for teenage boys that still exists today. Schools throughout the country began to create baseball programs, but there was still a void for preteen boys in organized sports. In 1938, a man named Carl Stotts began thinking about ways to organize a baseball league for the boys in his hometown of Williamsport. Carl had no sons of his own, but he always indulged his nephews, Jimmy and Major, by playing catch with them, hitting them grounders, and pitching them batting practice. Carl loved the game of baseball, and he loved watching kids play and get better and better, as well as the confidence that was instilled in them once you see that they're starting to figure it out. And he thought to himself, kids generally want someone to teach them how to play baseball. So, he goes out in the neighborhood, he begins recruiting boys who are eager to learn how to play baseball and how to compete against one, one another. I mean, such a concept, right? We take that for granted here in 2023, but in 1938, this is an unheard of concept right here. So he begins experimenting that summer with different types of formats, equipment, as well as different field dimensions. He teaches the kids the game, but the league still has no name and no games were played that first summer. The summer of 1939, Carl takes his experiment a little farther. When he enlists the aid of his wife Gracie, George and Bert Bebel, and their wives Annabelle and Eloise. So Carl, George, and Bert became the managers of the first three Little League teams in America. And the world. The Lycoming Dairy, Lundy Lumber, and Jumbo Pretzel. And sidebar here, kiddos. I find it amazing that Carl was able to find team sponsors for something that didn't exist. Something that had never been tried before. So remember, nothing is impossible. The sponsorship fee that year was $30, and that helped pay for equipment, uniforms, and umpire salary. Now, $30 in 1968, or I'm sorry, 1938, is equivalent to $660 in the 2023 economy today. A little later, John and Peggy Lindemuth would join the group, and these eight volunteers would make up the very first Little League Board of Directors. And speaking to the parents of the community and everyone agreed on the name Little League. He actually went out and talked to the, the parents, told them what his mission was. They all kind of came up with this name Little League. 
And Cole's mission from day one was to provide a wholesome program of baseball for the young boys of Williamsport as a way to teach the kids the ideals of sportsmanship, teamwork, and fair play. On June 6, 1939, Lundy Lumber beats Lycom and Gary in the very first Little League game ever played, 23-6. to Now, Lycoming would uh, bounce back from their pitiful opening day performance to win the season's first half title. They would go on to face Lundy Lumber, who won the second half title. And in the first Little League Best of Three World Series Championship, Lycoming captured the chip, winning Game 3, 3-2. Three to two. In the following years, other program models began to spring up, emulating Carl's vision. Eventually, Boundaries would have to be established to ensure the success of each league without worry of a neighboring town raiding and poaching their players. And from these humble beginnings, Little League Baseball has become the world's largest organized youth sports program on the planet. In a span of just seven decades, Little League has grown from three teams to nearly 200,000 teams in all 50 U.S. states and in more than 80 countries around the globe. So, check me out, kiddos. I'm going to take a little break right here. Uncle Snake needs to replenish with some fluids. I'm giving you the backstory of the town and how the Little League was invented. And when I get back, we're going to dig into the history of the Little League World Series Tournament and see if I can't throw you some nuggets of info, info before I twist this show up like a tailor-made double play and get us back to your parents patiently waiting back at Terrapin Station don't go anywhere, Seamans. BRB. See you on the other side of the break. Howdy, y'all. It's the Pod Squad, Gage Geen, executive producer of the Backwards K Pod. For the last few months, I've been telling you about our sponsor, Laparose Hand Cleaner, a powerful trifecta of products that eliminates fish, seafood, and bait odors, as well as the spices on your hands from steamed crabs and delicious crawfish boils. And now, this amazing grassroots company has added a buffalo wing hand cleaner. These are the only soaps and wipes on the planet specifically formulated to be used after eating spicy foods or after a long day of fishing. Not only does the fishing hand cleaner get rid of bait funk, crawfish hand cleaner, wing hand cleaner, removes the spicy bits around your mouth and on your hands. An ingenious invention by a retired Navy shipmate of Jake. So he and his family, folks. And one thing we do at the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network is take care of family. Till the end of September, Laparose Hand Cleaner is offering all VKP listeners an amazing deal and hopes you give them a shot. It's a buy one, get one free deal, hot wing hand cleaner wipes, fishing hand cleaner wipes, or soap, seafood hand cleaners. Buy one, get one. We only advertise products on Backwards K-Pod that Jake and I believe in and use personally. After ripping up the golf course and watching football, there's nothing I love more than throwing some bait in the water and cracking a cold bud heavy. You can check out these amazing products by going to crawfishhandcleaner.com or you can call the home offices at 713-588-0290. 
To get that BOGO deal, please use the code SUMMER23. For your fishing vacation you're planning, or the shellfish buffalo wing feast you're preparing, get yourself this groundbreaking product to protect you from smelly, spicy hands. That's crawfishhandcleaner.com, or call 713-588-0290. For the buy one, get one deal, use promo code SUMMER23. Fishing along the bank of your favorite river and listening to BKP sounds like a great idea. In fact, hey mom, where are my poles at? I'm gone fishing. Hey, everybody, heads up high. Heads up high. Let's talk for a moment, yeah. Look, I gotta see your eyes, guys. Okay? There's no disappointment, okay, in your effort, okay, in the whole tournament, in the whole season. It's been an incredible journey, okay? We fought, look at the score. Eight to seven, okay? Twelve to ten in hits. Came to the last out, we didn't quit. That's us. Boys, that's us. The only reason why, okay, I'll probably end up shedding a tear is because this is the last time I'm going to end up coaching you guys. But I'm going to bring back with me, and the coaching staff is going to bring back with me, and you guys are going to bring back something, okay? that no other team can provide but you guys. That's pride. Okay? Pride. You're going to take back for the rest of your life what you provided for a town in Cumberland. You had the whole place jumping, right? You had the whole state jumping. You had New England jumping. You had, you had ESPN jumping. Okay? Because one of the why? They like fighters. They like sportsmen. They like guys who don't quit. I like guys who, who play the game the right way, okay? If everyone would play baseball, okay, like the Cumberland Americans, okay, this, this would be the greatest game. This would be the greatest game. The lesson you guys have learned along the journey, okay, you're never going to forget, okay? But we're going to have some more fun. We've got two more days of fun. Okay, you guys earned that right to have a lot of fun. And when you walk around, okay, this ballpark in the next couple of days, okay, they're going to look at you and say, hey, guys, you guys were awesome. I'm not going to have to tell you because everybody has said you guys are awesome. 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 Absolutely awesome. So we're going to enjoy the next two days because we deserve it. We've been going since the 12th, and we're going to enjoy it. Okay, it's okay to cry. Because we're not going to play baseball together anymore. But we're going to be friends forever. Okay? Friends forever. And our little league careers have ended on the most positive note that could ever be. Okay? Ever be. There's only going to be one person, one team that's going to walk out of here, guys. World Series champions. Only one. Okay? Only one. Okay? We got down to the nitty-gritty. We're one of the best teams in the world. Think about that for a second. For the world. Right? So we need to we need to go see our parents because they're so proud of you. Okay? But one more. I wanna I wanna I want a big hug. I want everyone to come in here for one big hug. Okay? One big hug. One big hug. Then we're gonna go then we're gonna go celebrate. Hey boys, then we're gonna go celebrate with our parents, and then tomorrow we're gonna celebrate and then we're gonna come back home to a big parade. Okay? Got it? Okay? I love you guys. I'm going to love you forever. And you've given me the most precious moment 
okay, of my athletic and coaching career. And I've been coaching a long time, okay? A long time. I'm getting to be an old man. I need memories like this. I need kids like this, okay? You're all my boys, okay? You'll be the boys of summer, okay? So for the last time, we're going to try to suck it up, and we're going to yell Americans, okay? One, two, three, Americans! Go, boys! Good job. Anything in the world and God we trust An architect, doctor, maybe an actress But nothing comes easy, it takes much practice Like I met a woman who's becoming a star She was very beautiful, leaving people in awe Singing songs, lean a horn, but the younger version Hung with the wrong person, got a strong on that Sniffing up drugs, rolling the nose Could have died so young, now looks ugly and old No fun, cause now when she reaches for hugs People hold their breath, cause she smells of corrosion and death Watch the company you keep, and the crowd you bring Cause they came to do drugs and you came to sing So if you're gonna be the best, I'ma tell you how Put your hands in the air and take the vow I know I can, be what I wanna be If I work hard at it, I'll be where I wanna be Okay, welcome back to Backwards K-Pod, boys and girls. So, before I broke out, I was telling you how the whole concept of Little League came into existence, right? In 1938, a man named Carl Stotts, who had no sons of his own, used to play baseball with his nephews, Jimmy and Major, and he began to wonder why there wasn't a league for preteen boys to learn and play the game against each other. By the next summer, he had formed the three Little League teams, uh, the first ones in the history of Little League play. They were the Lycoming Dairy, Lundy Lumber, and Jumbo Pretzel. The first summer of Little League play, the Lycoming Dairy would beat Lumby Lumber three games to two in the first Little League World Series ever. And eventually the surrounding teams would catch on, and eventually the world, now some 70-some years later, Little League has now over 200,000 leagues around the world a year, and the crowning achievement, the dream of all American Little Leaguers, is the opportunity to play in the Little League World Series in South Williamsport, Pennsylvania, every August. The games are now played at Howard J. Lamont Stadium and Volunteer Field at the Little League Headquarters Complex annually. And in the beginning, the tournament had only four teams. And there were only teams from the U.S. In fact, in the beginning, they were just teams from Pennsylvania. Now, it's a global phenomenon that has 20 teams from uh, around the world competing for the crown. The United States have won the most titles, but at the same time, you can't forget that an American team is always guaranteed a spot in the championship game. From 1969 to 1991, teams from Taiwan dominated the tournament, winning 15 titles in 23 years. From 2010 to 2017, teams from Japan were just as amazing as they won five titles during that seven-year span. I went to one of those, actually. And while 
the Williamsport tournament is frequently referred to as the Little League World Series. It is actually now one of seven different World Series tourneys sponsored by Little League International in different locations. So you got like the Cal Ripken uh, World Series, the Babe Ruth. I mean, there's all kinds of them. Now, in the summer months leading up to the series, all the various leagues around the globe select all-star teams to represent them as they go out and compete in district, regional, and or divisional tournaments in hopes of advancing to Williamsport. In the U.S., the fate of the district winner it varies widely from state to state. In some larger states like Cali, Texas, New York, Pennsylvania, the winner of the district tourney moves on through a gauntlet of sectional tourneys. The winners from the sectionals then advance to a state or a divisional tournament. Most smaller states lack competition at that sectional level, so they just go straight to the states after winning their district. A handful of states are composed of only one district, and if you win the District 20, you are automatically crowned state champs. With the exception of two states, and that includes uh, Washington, D.C. All states crown a champion. The only exception to the rule is California and Texas because of their large geographic and population sizes. These two states send two reps to the regional tournament. Northern and Southern California champs in the West region, and East and West Texas in the Southwest. Up until 2018, the Dakotas had one district spanning the two states, North Dakota, South Dakota, and its winner became the joint champion when advancing to the Midwest regional. However, beginning in 2019, North and South Dakota are both represented by individual teams in the regionals. The state champs, and that includes both of the Texas and California teams. They then compete in one of ten different regional tournaments. And each one of those regional tournaments advance to the Little League World Series. Now, other countries and regions around the world pick their own way of crowning their champ. Okay, so you have ten regional champs. There are 53 U.S. entrants that compete in these regionals. Two from Texas and Cali, one from the remaining 48 states, and one from our nation's capital, Washington D.C. So let me run them. Uh, let me run through these real quick for you. These different regions. You got the Great Lake region, right? This is Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, and Ohio. The Metro: Connecticut, New York, New, New Jersey, Rhode Island. The Mid Atlantic. Maryland, Delaware, D.C., Pennsylvania. The Midwest is a big one. This is states like Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. The Mountain has teams from Montana, Nevada, Utah, and Wyoming. New England Regional, we're talking Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Vermont. The Northwest, Alaska, Idaho, Oregon, and Washington. The Southeast, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia. The Southwest is East and West Texas, Arkansas, Colorado, Louisiana, Mississippi, New Mexico, and Oklahoma. And finally in the West, we have Northern and Southern California, Arizona, and Hawaii. There are eight international divisions with ten teams looking to win their brackets. Cuba, Panama, and Puerto Rico receive automatic bids to the Little League World Series on a rotating basis. 
Two of those teams receive a bid while the other uh, while the other team plays its way through their regional tournament. Cuba and Puerto Rico, they could compete in the Caribbean region, and Panama fights their way through the Latin America region. The international regions are as followed. Asia Pacific and the Middle East. Australia, Canada, Caribbean, Europe and Africa, Japan, Latin America, and Mexico. So, let's say you boys and girls realize your dream. You destroy the dis- districts and the states. You run through the regionals. And now you're big time, baby. You find yourself you know, on the marquee, the Howard J. Lamont Field, on ESPN in front of the world. How does it work? Well, I'll tell you, and thanks for asking. But first, let me explain how we got to the current model and template, which is 20 teams, 10 from the U.S. and 10 from the other countries. From the inaugural 1947 tournament through 1956, there were eight. There was an 18 field, which was predominantly U.S.-based clubs, and they competed in a single elimination format. Canadian teams played in 1952 and 1953, and regions were introduced in 1957. Now, 1957, that very same year of the introduction of regions, the tournament was won by the kids from Monterey, Mexico, and they were the first non-U.S. team to win the crown, even though they played out of the U.S. South region. The international regions were added in 1958. From 1962 to 2000, uh, came from four U.S. regions and four international regions, the United States had the Central, East, South, and West, while the international brackets consisted of Canada, Europe, the Far East, and Latin America. Through 1975, all teams, whether international or U.S.-based, competed in one bracket. That year, the tournament only featured American teams, but the international kids would return in 1976. That year, two brackets were established, one for the USA and one for the international teams. The winner of these respective brackets would meet up in the championship game. In 2001, the number of regions doubled to 16. The tourney started with eight teams from the U.S., randomly assigned into two four-team pools, and the same on the international side. The teams competed in a round-robin format within their own pool, and that basically means you play every single team. And what happens is the top two teams of each pool would advance to a single elimination quarterfinals to advance to the semifinals and a chance for the world championship game. In 2010, the round-robin format was scrapped for the double elimination format that we have now. And should make it to the U.S. Championship game or on the international side. It goes to single elimination to advance to the world title game. Two venues host all the tournament games. Howard J. Lamont Stadium, which is like center court of Wimbledon, and this is where the championship game is always played, and Volunteer Stadium, which opened in 2001 when the field expanded to 16 games. Prior to 1959, the Little League World Series was held at original Little League Stadium on West 4th Street in Williamsport. Admission to all Little League World Series games are free. However, Stadium seats for the championship game are distributed in a random drawing of all interested parties due to the high demand on that ticket. The Mod Stadium can hold up to 45,000 spectators for the championship game when you include the berm area beyond the fences. Throughout the 2023 tournament, 
A total of 22 girls have participated as Little League World Series competitors, which I personally think is great. I call me woke, whatever, I don't care. For years, society has pushed girls into softball, but I think if a girl loves baseball and she has proven she can compete, she should be able to play. The first girl to compete with the boys in the Little League World Series was Victoria Roach from Brussels, Belgium in 1984. The most memorable girl was surely pitcher Monet Davis from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She was the first girl to earn a win in the tournament and to throw a shutout. She was the 18th girl overall to compete and the 6th to get a hit. She was also the first Little League World Series player, boy or girl, to appear on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a player and with the tournament in progress. She was absolutely amazing. And if any of you kids have never heard of Monet Davies, I highly suggest you go to your Google machine, check her out. She was absolutely must-see TV. She was literally a woman among boys. In 1955, Rich Comiskey, I'm sorry, Rick Comiskey from Morrisville, Pennsylvania, he became the first player to drop walk-off dong in the championship game. I told you guys how Monterey, Mexico became the first international winner in 1957. Pitcher Miguel, uh, Miguel Macias threw a perfect game in the championship game. It was the first and last one ever thrown in a championship game. In 1971, former Major League Baseball outfielder and Pirates manager Lloyd McClendon homered five, home, homered five times and five at-bats over the course of three games. And he was intentionally walked five times in his other five plate appearances. Good grief, Charlie Brown. In 1975, I mentioned that international teams did not take part in the tournament, and that was due to allegations of Team Taiwan using out-of-district players on their team. Again, uh, adults will always try to figure out a way to mess the game up for your kids. In 1982... Kirkland, Washington beat Taiwan in the championship game, snapping a 31 consecutive game win streak by the Taiwanese team at the Little League World Series. ABC play-by-play guy Jim McKay called it the biggest upset in the history of Little League. Long Beach, California became the first U.S. team to win back-to-back titles in 1992 and 1993. In 2005, Michael Mamiya out of Ua Beach, Hawaii was the Championship game on the power of his walk-off dong. Two years later, Dalton Carricker, he gets a ninth, uh, I'm sorry, an eighth inning walk-in blast to take the title back to Warner Robins, Georgia. A team from Lugasa, Uganda, became the first team from Africa to make the bid for a tourney spot. I was there to see that. I saw those kids play. That was in 2012. South Korea... Suffered their first championship game loss at the hands of Maine and well, New York, who comp- completed an undefeated 24-0 season by knocking out the Koreans with a chip in 2016. And in 2020, the games were canceled for the first time in tournament history due to COVID-19 pandemic, and the 2021 tournament, tor- tournament was restricted to U.S. teams because of COVID. And in 2022, a team from Honolulu, Hawaii, beat the team from Curacao 13-3 in four innings to win the title. And by the way, my heart goes out to Hawaii right now. That's a very grim situation they're facing with those wildfires. And I would be remiss 
if I didn't mention you in my prayers, Mally. That's just awful. It truly hurts my soul to see the images coming from one of our own states. And I think that's where I'm going to wrap this up. Get you kids back to Terrapin Station, where your parents will be waiting to see you. But before I break out, let's do a roll call of some of the people who made their first public appearance on the Little League World Series stage and then went on to do other great things. All of these people were kids just like you. Stay true to yourself. Be better than me when I was your age. Stand up to adversary. Never crumble in the face. Nothing is impossible. Here's some names for you to aspire for. Some of you will know. Some of them you won't. But hey, that's what Google's for, right? Alright, where are we at? Former MLB player Wilson Alvarez. Jim Barbary, who was the first player to appear in an MLB World Series as well as a Little League World Series. He actually played in back-to-back Little League World Series tournaments in 1953 and 1954, as well as the 1966 World Series as a member of the Dodgers versus the Orioles. 2004 NL Rookie of the Year, Jason Bay. Outfielder, Derek Bell. Cody Bellinger. Rays catcher, Christian Bethencourt. LeBar Banks. Jim Brower. Former MLB slugger Jeff Boros, who played on the uh, that back-to-back Long Beach winner, 92-93. Rays manager Dave Cash, Gavin Caccini, Chin Fang Chen, the first Taiwanese-born player in MLB history. Jeff Clement, Michael Conforto, Billy Connors, David Cortez, Stephen Fife, Jeff and Todd Fraser from the Toms River team from New Jersey. Chase Fry, Randall Gritchick. Ben Hayes, Charlie Hayes, Yanni Hernandez, Ken Hubs, Cooper Hummel, Eric Johnson, Scott Kingry, Keith Lampert, Carney Lansford, Josh Lester, Adam Lowen, Vance Lovelace, Lance Lynn, Jason Marquis, Lloyd McClendon, Lasting Millage, Bobby Mitchell, Max Moroff, Francisco Pena, Yasmiro Petit, Mark Pisciato, my dude, Boog Pal, man makes a heck of a sandwich, Nick Prado, Yohi Praza, Yorkson Profar, Guillermo Quiros, Kobe Rasmus, Brady Rogers, Michael Saunders, Jonathan Scope, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Stevenson, Carl Taylor, Ruben Tejada, Cleve Thomas, Hector Torres, Devin Travis, Carlos Trevino, George Samus, Jason Veritek, Dave Veres, Ed Vosberg, Dan Wilson, and Rick Wise. And it hasn't just been baseball where these kids went on to excel in sports, kiddos. NFL quarterbacks such as Brian Seip, Matt Castle, Jake Fromm, among others, have performed at LaMond. And in hockey, you got Matt Jury, Ray Ferraro, Steven Mattel, Mattel, Mateo, play they, hockey, Yannick Perel, Pierre Turgeon, they all competed in the Little League World Series before taking to the ice. Even Ron DeSantis, the 46th governor of the state of Florida and hopeful president candidate for 2024, he made his inauspicious public debut playing baseball at Williamsport. Ron DeSantis. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, seamen of all ages, this is the history 
of the Little League World Series. I hope you guys enjoy listening to this week's show as much as I enjoy doing the research and presenting it to you. And I promise, I'll try to be a lot better next week. And man, I tell you, the Little League World Series memories... I will hold with me, or, you know, not the Little League World Series, I never made the Little League World Series, but the Little League memories, I'll hold with me, uh, until I draw my last breath, come running out of cornfield with 22-year-old legs again, and a rocket launcher for my arm, I mean, it truly is a special time in your life, embrace it, do your homework, be a good kid, as usual, I would never charge you, with the baseball content here at Backwards K-Pod, no Patreon, no Twitch, no pay-to-play subscriptions. You know, peanut butter costs $8 right now. I ain't going to do that to y'all. I want your parents to be able to buy you gear, get you batting cage time, make sure you can afford to register to play. I want every kid who listens to the history of the Little League World Series to excel, not only in sports, but in life. And this is where it starts. So, now... Let your parents know. I'm never going to charge them. I'm just going to roll up my sleeves, put in the work, and I'm going to keep coming out every week with that free baseball smoke. You don't want that smoke. And I'm going to keep it consistent like Mike Trout, you little seam heads. So with the Little League World Series getting smaller and smaller in my rearview mirror, I now turn my steely eye focus on our never-say-die baseball hydra. I pull out my katana blade from under my kimono, and I chop the head off that beast, only to see two more baseball topics appear in its place. Next week's freaks, I'm going to come through with the Jim Tomei bio. That's my homie Jim Tomei, don't you know me? I was always a big Jim Tomei fan. The kids may not know much about him. Uh, go to your Google machines, type in Jim Tomei, T-H-O-M-E. And learn a little something about that big donkey right there. Uh, and that, you know, you can do that while you get you back to Chairman Station. I'm a huge Tomei fan. I can't wait for that. But y'all already know the deal. That's another story for another pod here at Backwards K-Pod. Where we collect ball players and their stories. You got something you want to say to me? Good, bad, indifferent? Come at me, dog. I ain't hard to find. I'm all tangled up in the web, brah. You can email the show at backwardskpod at gmail.com, Twitter, Xcore, whatever that cuckoo is called as company these days, at back underscore K underscore podcast. My personal handle is at jrobbie1, that's J-R-O-B-B-I-E-1. Our YouTube channel is backwardskpod, and BKP is available on pretty much all platforms, wherever you listen to your pods. Please remember to rate and review. I ain't scared. I do what I do when I do it, and no one does it better. I say that in all humility. With my hand in God, kiddos, I'm the best at what I do. Now you, go be the best at what you do. If any of you are planning a Rocky Mountain getaway to Denver, Colorado, I highly recommend you stop by the National Ballpark Museum out on Blake Street. It's literally just a long fly ball away from Coors Field. My boys Bruce and Danny, they'll be in there waiting to show you some of the most amazing baseball exhibits they have on display in their incredible museum. And as a cherry on top, these guys, they love to play the backwards K-Pod shows over the speakers in the background. So, lucky, lucky. Winner, winner, chicken, dinner, baby. That's a national ballpark museum in Denver, Colorado, right around the corner from Coors. Go see the Rocks. Check out the baseball paraphernalia. 
and listen to BKP while you do it, folks. I'm truly, truly blessed. Thank you, Andy Brent, for letting me know playing ball on the pro level was never going to happen for me. (laughs) I get to do the next best thing, though, brother. Make a living talking baseball to this fine audience. It's not a bad trade-off, brother. So, look, I think that's it. I know this show is a little different than what I usually do, but this one's for the Little League freaks out there, because you know what? Snake love the kids, baby. So, I think I accomplished my goals this week. Vinny, Vinny, the C. I love you, freaks. Best baseball podcast audience a snake could ever ask for. See you next week with the Jim Tomei bio. Parents. If you see your kid, they're sitting on the couch. They got their nose and their phones and their iPads. They're looking unproductive and bored AF. By all means, take those little rugrats outside. Play a game of catch. Thank y'all for coming out. God bless and win the day. And like my boy Shane Lemberan told me in our one-on-one sparring session in the dojo last year. Hey, kiddos, earmuffs. Earmuffs. You go to hell, Andy Pettit. See you next week, Seaman Freaks. Peace.